Hello and welcome to episode 3 of our ongoing roleplay scenario, Family Matters. When we last left our heroes, Graham and Linda Parker, they'd been having a look around the house that Linda had inherited in the village of Solemn Vale. And things had not gone quite according to plan. Some very strange experiences both in the house and with Graham's car have left our protagonists slightly unnerved. And this wasn't helped with what they discovered in the attic. We now return to our fictional village of Solemn Vale to find out whether things can possibly get any better or any worse for Graham and Linda Parker. Now, by October, she reveals how her sister, Edith, arrived without announcement to give her some bad news. It doesn't detail what the bad news is. But Demelza has written that this ruins everything. That she can't go back to the way things were. There's no way she can, and there's only one sister that can get out of this. And from that point, the diary goes back to being how it was before. All standard entries of deliveries and expectations, day by day. Well, she had a turbulent year, didn't she? I think this is all really sad. Poor woman. A.H. Holloway? Read my mind. I was just curious why she put it right at the beginning where she was talking about it was her duty to mind the house. That didn't really... I don't know, it just felt like an odd way of saying it. It was her, her house, wasn't it? Well, yes, but you don't think it's your duty to look after it if you if you, you don't write it that way, do you? Precisely. It's a very odd way of saying it. I just wonder why it's odd that her sister turning up would have spoiled everything. I mean, that's my great-grandmother, That's and um, that's Nanny Edith. Nothing in the family history that you know of. I mean, you didn't know of Demelza, so there's nothing about Edith that strikes you as peculiar. Not at all, no. She was a lovely old lady. I only knew when I was very young, but no, she was a lovely old lady. Are there any other diaries or anything in here, I wonder? You have thoroughly ransacked every box that you can find uh, with any ease in here. And no, no other diaries. Doesn't mean there aren't others around the house, but this is the only one that's been locked away. Strange that there's just... This one up here, with a lock on it as well. Something that happened in 1908. She didn't want anybody else to know that. Have we seen any other papers that would relate to 1908? I'm just wondering, were there dates on the letters downstairs in the drawer? There were no dates on the letters downstairs, but some of those photos that you found of her... Uh, did have the initials A-H on the reverse. Yeah. I think we should definitely keep the diary. It's obviously uh, part of your family history and uh, deserves to be preserved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll pop it in my bag with the other things. Do you think these strange dresses relate to this 
mid part of 1908. I honestly have no idea what they would be. I mean, I can't imagine anybody wearing something like that out anywhere with all those holes in it. Maybe it was something for a costume or a show or... An unusual show, wouldn't it? Well, she does talk about, you know, referring to things that make her ashamed, doesn't she? Hmm. Maybe that's something to do with that. Do these dresses all look the same sort of size to you? Or do they look like they'd fit a number of people? They look like they could be fitted to a number of people. And indeed, some of them have got holes around where the breasts should be. Uh, Others do not. Uh, You're not even sure whether all of them are fitted for women. Uh, Some of them may be for men. None of this makes much sense, does it? I'm very confused. Well, let, let, let me rephrase that. It could make a lot of sense, but not to the sort of people that we thought we were dealing with. What do you mean? Well, nothing in your family history strikes you as being unusual, does it? I think if anybody knew within their family history there was some kind of uh, bizarre group sexual experience or something going on, you know, there'd probably be a bit of family gossip about it, surely. Oh my word, do you think that's what was going on? I can't think of any other reason why these dresses would be cut in this fashion. Well, if there had been anything like that in my family, you've met my mother before she passed away, God bless her. In our house, sex was the number between five and seven. You know, it wasn't spoken of. Yes, that's true. It all seems very strange. Yet, here it is. I don't think there's much else that we can gain from the attic, do you? No, I don't think so. Maybe we ought to just go round and look for a phone and see if we can speak to Mr Livingston's office and find out if anything has happened. I agree. Come on. Because we need to know what to do next anyhow, don't we? We we've do. no keys. We don't know, you know, we've not really signed anything much apart from that document saying he'd given us the information. So we're no further forward than we were when we got here, really. And that was before we met Mr Holloway. Yes, I would. I'm, I mean, looking at his age... I'm sure he's not the A.H. that, you know, if that even refers to a Holloway. But it can't be him. Maybe it was his father or grandfather or something. Yeah, the Holloway you met is in his 40s, late 40s or early 50s, you would say. Mm-hmm. Eh, he, he may not be connected to this at all. We may be reading too much into it, but I don't know. Let's Let's go down and see if we can find a telephone. All right. Uh, You go down to the living room and after searching several other rooms and yes, there is a telephone on a stand next to a chair and it is plugged into the wall. I'll go over and lift the receiver. There's a dialing tone. Oh my word, Graham, it's working. I half expected it wouldn't be. Let me me just uh, call the solicitor's office. So I reach into my bag, find the solicitor's letter and... uh, Using the rotary, I'll dial the number. Before you can turn the rotary around, a voice answers. Solemnvale Post Office. Oh, hello. Um, this is Linda Parker. I'm I'm out at the Cable Estate. Um, I was just trying to place a call to my solicitor. Oh, th- this you must be on one of the old operator lines, uh, Mrs. Parker. 
Uh, some of the older houses in the village are still, well, hooked up to what used to be the operator switchboard, and that was ran out of this post office. So, that, that's why you've come through to me. I, I can see whether I can find you the uh, the number, and, and, and see if I can put you through. It, it still works. Oh, well, that would be very helpful. Thank you. So I give her the number. Do, do you do you say you're at the old Cable estate? Yes, that's right. Um, Miss Cable was um, actually my great aunt. It turns out. Ah. Hmm. Did you know her? I I've um, I've met Miss Cable before, once or twice. What was she like? Because I'd never heard of her before I got the letter from the solicitor. I'd just be really interested to meet somebody who actually knew what she was like. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm at work right now, and my boss is. Uh, literally over my shoulder uh, so I'll put you through but I'll I'll go to the bowler's arm later if you're in the village and I'll tell you what I know I'm sure there's plenty of people there that could tell you stories about Demelza Cable oh that would be lovely thank you what was your name uh, um, my, my name is Sam right okay Samantha but Sam Sam's fine lovely thank you Sam I really appreciate that it would be really useful to speak to somebody that knew her I'll I'll put you through now. I'll Thank see whether I can connect you. Thank you very much. It rings, and I've made the connection, so I'm just going to transfer the call now. Thank you. Is that Miss uh, Parker? Mrs. Parker, sorry. Hello. Yes, it is. Yes, who am I speaking to? Ah, you're speaking to uh, Mr. Jackson. Oh, hello, Mr. Jackson. Um, we had an appointment to date with with Mr. Livingston regarding the cable matter. Oh, yes. Uh, how is that going for you? Well, this is the reason I'm calling. Um, we're at the, the house and uh, Mr Livingston accompanied us. Um, but unfortunately, he seems to have left without saying anything. A gentleman was actually at the house when we arrived, a Mr Holloway, and he said that apparently he's got documentation that shows that my Aunt Demelza bequeathed the property to him and his family. So we haven't seen any of this ourselves, but we were just wondering if Mr Livingston had been in touch with you, because he, he didn't say anything to us. He went away with Mr Holloway, and then the next we heard was his car driving away. Well, that's most peculiar. Mr Livingston is a, uh, is a professional. He wouldn't just drive off unless he had a very good reason to. Uh, hmm. That's why I thought I'd better ring you, just to see if there was a problem or if he'd been in touch with you. He hasn't, I'm afraid, and he wasn't booked to stay down in uh, Solemn Vale or anything like that, so it's not like we have a number for a local hotel or bed and breakfast. Oh dear. I didn't even notice anything like that in the village when we were driving around, to be honest. No, well, I don't even know if there is anything like that. As far as I was concerned, it was just a day trip and he would be uh, back in Plymouth for the evening. Uh... I'm terribly sorry. Uh, all I can recommend is, where are you now? Well, we are actually at the house. I'm phoning from the house. It's just we've got no keys, and we've really only seen one, you know, signed one document to say that he's given us the initial information. We haven't signed anything else, and obviously with Mr Holloway turning up and the two of them disappearing off to look at whatever documents he had, we're not really sure how things stand anymore. 
Well, I can't say I'm terribly familiar with the case, so I don't know what the standing of this Mr. Holloway is, but whatever the issue is, we, as your, as the solicitors involved in this, would, would get it all wrapped up in the best possible way. Uh, and I, I'd hesitate to say there has been some confusion or an error without seeing what this Mr. Holloway has. And indeed, that is probably what, uh, what Mr. Livingston is reviewing right now. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he had to go back to the car. He has a habit of leaving his case behind. Uh, did you... I know, I shouldn't say that, but he ha it has been known. Did you? Did he take his case with him when he went with Mr. Holloway? It could be that he left it in the car and then just drove to see him. Linda racks her brains but can't remember, so she puts her hand over the receiver. Graham! Hmm? When Mr. Livingston got in the car with Mr. Holloway, did you see if he had his bag with him? He might have come back for that. I didn't notice, no. Maybe maybe we're just reading too much into it. Mm. So Linda goes back to her call. Um, all right, Mr Jackson, well, I think probably what we'll do, we'll um, finish looking at the house and I suspect we'll probably just go back to the pub for a bit and see if he goes back there. Yes, of course. Uh, apologies that you've not been left with any keys or anything like that to lock up a property that may well be yours now. That can't be leaving you feeling very secure. Uh, what I can say, and uh, Mr Livingstone will wring my neck for this, but uh, this is the law. Given that you've not been left with keys, and that is on us, should anything obviously occur, that is also on us. Uh, I'm sure the house isn't going to blow over in a breeze, but uh, by all means, as you are there, feel free to secure anything of value. Uh, I had it on record that there's a safe in the property, uh, so if you have a way of gaining entry to the safe, by all means, put anything of value in it. Uh, and yes, I suggest heading back to wherever it was you saw Mr. Livingston last, if he's not coming back to the house. If he can't find you back at the house, he'll probably find you back at wherever you saw him last, because he's not going to want to come back to Plymouth without all the paperwork signed. All right then, Mr. Jackson, we'll do that. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry to have troubled you. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry on Mr. Livingston's behalf. It's, um, it's not good form. Uh, I hope that when he came back to collect his car, he called for you and maybe you just didn't hear him. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't like to say either way. No, that's absolutely fair enough. Don't worry. We'll, uh, we'll finish up here and, uh, and then we'll see what we can do about securing the house before we go. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for understanding. And uh, yes, uh, hopefully this will all be wrapped up by the evening. Oh, I hope so. That would be lovely. All right then, Mr Jackson. Well, thank you very much for your time. That's all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well. What did he say? Well, he said apparently Mr Livingston's got a bit of a um, problem about rem remembering to take his case with him sometimes, so he may well have come back for that, called out for us, and we just simply didn't hear him, which I suppose is possible. Oh, it's possible, but I would have thought he would have come in rather than just call out. I did think that myself, to be honest, but I don't want to make it seem like we're reading too much into it. All right, what did they advise? Well, basically, he said there is a safe on the property, so anything we find of value, we should put it in the safe. But we haven't got any combination for the safe, and I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen anything of value, particularly. I mean, Well, there is the jewellery. There is the jewellery, but I haven't seen it. Did you see it anywhere? I haven't noticed it yet, no. Should we perhaps up, have a quick look? Back upstairs to the bedroom and have a... Oh, do we have to go in there again? Well, if you want to find the jewellery, I suppose we do. Oh, I hope nothing else happens. 
But we ought to find out where the safe is, because if there's something in that, that's probably where all the really valuable stuff Well, yes, be. yes. Come on, let's be quick about it. Did you notice if there was a study or something? A safe is often in the study. You did go into the study before. That was the place with the locked or closed cupboard. Uh, as you head into the bedroom, you do see by a dress mirror that there's uh, some small jewellery pieces on a little uh, faux sort of neck and chest stand. Uh, so a couple of necklaces wrapped around it, uh, some earrings placed on hooks, and a single ring. Uh, I'll go over and have a look at them. Um, and I'll pick up the ring and take it over to the window and have a look at it in the light. The ring is distinctly underwhelming uh, from a value perspective. Uh, you can even feel it bending slightly in your fingers. It, it's harder than tin would usually be because it's been wrought to be such, but it certainly appears to be made of tin. It's not a precious metal. Is there a stone or anything in it or is it just a band? It's just a band. Hmm. This is a bit strange, isn't it? Look at this. Doesn't look very uh, very uh, expensive, does it? Oh, it's a bit of a surprise, considering. I would have thought she'd have had better quality stuff than this. This is a bit plain, really, isn't it? It's engraved or anything? I can't see. Looking on the inside of the ring, you can see a pair of initials. It's A-H again. Hmm. Maybe this wasn't hers. Maybe this belonged to A-H. It does look like it would fit a broad finger. It look like a wedding band, do you? It does. I wonder. Certainly seems to resemble one to me. Uh, anything here that you think is actually worth storing away somewhere, if we well, can find this safe? I think really we ought to put it all away. I don't think it should be out, because even if it's not worth very much financially, this is still stuff that belonged to my aunt, and it'd be quite nice to have it just for... You know, sentimental reasons, if nothing else. Yes, yes, you're quite right. Well, collect it all up and let's see if we can find the safe. Right. Linda starts... Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'll take all the jewellery off the stands because I don't know how much space there would be in the safe and the neck and um, shoulder things are uh, a little bulky to carry. So I'm just going to unhook the earrings and lift the necklaces off and, um, and carry them that way. Could you make a weird roll, please? Four. You feel the compulsion to not just carry those necklaces, but carry them around your neck, wear them to wherever the safe is. You're able to quash it. It isn't overwhelming, but you just wonder what you'd look like in this cheap jewellery. I sort of pause in front of the mirror and um, I sort of glance over at Graham, who is looking elsewhere, and I just quickly hold the necklaces up sort of tilt my head as I'm looking at my reflection to see what I look like. You immediately flash to memory of that photo you found of Demelza. She had this necklace on in that photo of her in a compromising position. And I see that and my heart kind of gives a leap and I move the necklaces and sort of turn away from the mirror quite quickly hoping that Graham hasn't noticed what I'm doing. Where are you, Graham? Did you head back to the study? I'm... Yes, I was heading towards the study, but, but looking for any other rooms that might obviously hold a safe, although I suspect the study is the best place to be. 
Yeah, you don't find anything else. As you pass back through the dining room uh, to get to the stairs to take you up another floor to get to the study, this house is like a jigsaw. There's stairs that are going up and down. Things that are on the same floor aren't obviously accessible to each other. You wouldn't be surprised if there's, hell, some hidden rooms behind the walls. You've seen hammer horror movies. You've seen this kind of thing appear in media before. And the longer you stay here, the more this feels like a house with hidden compartments. And there's a frisson of excitement there, just at the thought of it, of what you could discover. But you're something of a cynic, jaded, and the desire to explore is very quickly snuffed out by your desire to be anywhere but here. So I head straight to the study and look for the safe. Now that you're exploring the study, your eyes go to the cupboard again, which is still closed, though no sounds emanate from it. And the desk in the study does have a large drawer come cupboard that you know that you have one just like it at home, but you keep bottles of alcohol in there. Uh, Opening the door to it in this drawer, you uh, can see that indeed there is a safe behind it. How does the safe lock? The safe has a wheel-turn combination. Is it currently locked? Yes. You recall Mr Livingston saying that uh, they didn't have the combination. Hmm. I call up to Linda. Lynn, found the safe. And I'll call back down. Uh, All right, I'm just on my way. And so I'll go back down the stairs and I'll join him in the study and have a look at the safe. Well, there you are. There's the safe. Don't know how you open it, mind, but there it is. Better look through the desk and see if there's a combination written down somewhere. You open up the desk drawer. This one's either been emptied out or never had anything in it. Any clues there? Desk's empty. This would be like looking for a needle in a haystack, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Do a weird roll, Linda. Three. Would you like to add a weird to this? Yep. Yes, both of you, I think, have two weird now. So, it's a fanciful thought. But the thing that crosses your mind initially is is to try 1908, and nothing happens. And then you try your father's birthday, because this house was left to him. Maybe he meant something to Demelza, and nothing happens. And then, on that flight of whimsy, you try your own birthday, and the safe door opens. Oh my word, I didn't think that would work. What did you try? My birthday. How would she have known that necessarily? Why would she have used it if she did know it? Maybe it was just a date that... Not even a date, maybe. Maybe it was just a series of numbers, but it's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? It is. And coincidence is the most logical explanation for why, after all, so... We've got the safe open, we may as well make use of it. Well, absolutely. We'll have to look and see what's inside it first, because it may be that we want to take stuff out rather than leaving stuff here. Well, you're in front of it, dear. Have a look. I'll 
have a look and see what is inside the safe. You find the long-awaited photo album, and you find another diary. Oh, look, Graham. She's locked everything away. That's the second diary she's locked away. What's the year on this one? There's no year marked on it. It looks like it's just been laid out Monday to Sunday, every single day. It's a standard daily planner, but her name has been scratched into the spine. Mm. Uh, Graham will take it and, and flick through the pages. The contents of this diary are not written in the same stable hand as the contents of the one previously. The greatest similarity is the continuous record of deliveries and expectations, of milk, of eggs, of bread, of newspapers. But they are still written maybe by someone with a shaky hand, perhaps when she was considerably older. You don't know what may have afflicted her at that point. But around the same time, just as before, March and April... The entries become a little more elongated. There's a lot of self-pity in here. A lot of swearing. A lot of spontaneous thought that she's just vomited onto a page. She's written, Why am I stuck in this fucking house, in this fucking village, in the middle of fucking nowhere? I want to go home. I want to be with my family. And in some ways that's resonant from the previous diary, except it's a hell of a lot more forceful. As you get into May, she's writing, it's her fault. It's Edith's fault. One of us had to make the choice and she was too soft, too weak, too loved by our parents, so I had to take the reins. I had to look after the house. It was my duty to care for the house. And now look at me. I have been fucked, I have been abandoned, and I have been fucked again. Come June and July, there's a repeated refrain. One of us has got to die. One of us has got to die. Only one of us can live, the other one must die. And she writes this every three or four days, or words to that effect, for a good couple of months. And then, come September, she has a family. I didn't know. I didn't know, but she has started a family. I can't do this anymore. I can't just kill her and ruin what she has. Despite the dangers, despite the threats, despite the horror that I live in, I will take this on myself and I will live with it. I will continue to pursue my duty and I will never see her or her family again. And it doesn't just tail off back into orders and the like. There's a few more reflective pieces going through the rest of the year, wondering how is Edith, how is her family. 
what will I do if they ever come back? Can I allow them to see me after everything that I've done? And then she stops writing in the diary. What the hell was going on here? What What is this duty that she keeps referring to? I have absolutely no idea, but it's almost like there's something about the house that needs a guardian or something, don't you think? Like a caretaker. You see a cat padding through the study. Does it look like a cat that I've seen before? Yes, it looks exactly like the cat from the pub. Linda, does that cat look to you like the cat at the bowler's arm? Well, yeah, I suppose a little bit. I didn't really get that good a look at it because it disappeared off. It looks to me exactly like the cat at the bowler's arm, and it wasn't overly happy to see me last time. <sighs> you think we can shoo it out or something? Yes, all right. So Linda gets up and uh, goes over to try to usher the cat out of the room. But herding cats is not her strong point. Now, the cat is defiant. It doesn't hiss or spit at Linda, but does just stare her down. It jumps onto the table, onto the desk, perches there briefly before hopping onto a bookshelf and continuing to watch the two of you. Graham tries to ignore it. Lynn, what's in the photo album? Linda glances over at the cat and then turns her attention to the album. This is the first you've seen of anyone in Demelza's life beyond Demelza, as an adult at least. There's a series of photos of her with a shockingly handsome man, dressed as if a farmer, and they're posed outside a building, looks like the church, actually, in Solemn Vale. You don't think it's a wedding, but they both look very happy together. Yeah, there's some single photos of him as well, posing again, taking in the view while being photographed. There's a few more candid photographs, where the photo of them is clearly shot by friends and they're just laughing. There's a gap in the album. You can see there were some photos in here, but they've been extracted at some point. You can see that from the yellowing of the paper around where the photos were. And a further gap where no photos have been placed. And it looks like she was working both from the end of the album and the beginning at the same time. Uh, Because the way the album is put together, essentially half of the photos are upside down in comparison to the others. So turning it around and working from the back, you see... Finally, photos that connect her to your family. Without a doubt. Photos of Edith as a growing woman. You think late teens, early twenties. Photos of people who you assume are Edith's cousins and friends. Demelza occasionally appears in those photos, but it's rare. The last photo in there, thankfully, isn't one of you, but it is one of your father as a young man. Now, he wasn't born 
well, for a good time into uh, Demelza's life. And if the diary was a record from anywhere prior to his birth, then there must have been a connection between her and them at some point later. But that is definitely a photo of him as a young man because you have seen that exact same photo. It was produced from the same negative. We've got this picture at home. The, this exact same photo. That's my dad. Well, that's something of a surprise. I did wonder, because there had to be somebody in, you know, that I, I know of in my family who knew who this woman was and who had some contact with her, but I wonder why my dad never mentioned her. Throughout my whole life, he never said a single word about this woman. And I don't understand why. Maybe he didn't want to be associated with whatever it was that was going on between her and Edith. Presuming he even knew. Well, who's to say? That chap who was in the other photographs, did he look anything like Holloway to you? We didn't really see Holloway for that long, did we? Let's have another look. Linda squints at the picture of the man. It's an old photo, or they are all old photos, but there could be a resemblance. It's very difficult to say. Are they wearing wedding rings at all? Now that is a very good question. As you look into the latter photos of them together, yes, they both have bands round their ring fingers. I'll point this out to Graham. Look, they got married. Hmm. Does that look like the ring we found? I was just wondering that. Do you think it's his? Hmm. And she was married to somebody called Holloway? Do we recognise the ring as the one we found upstairs? Again, very difficult to tell on an old photo, but it could be. Both are completely uh, lacking in, in gemstones or carvings on the outside, so it's just a simple band. Well, it's hard to say for certain, but I don't think we could exclude the possibility, can we? That, no. That, that no. was... could do with a magnifying glass to see if we can look at it any better, but mm. I can't see one, so... No, but if, if that is the ring that we found upstairs, then this is A.H. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? I think I would be reluctant to leave some of these items in the house for now, you know? Is there anything else in the safe? Nope, that is it. I say we leave the rest of the jewellery in the safe. Well, that was just what I was wondering, Graham. But take the photo album. Where is the rest of the jewellery? Well, I I meant the pieces that you found upstairs. But if the jewellery is supposed to be here, where is it? How much was there? Well, I don't really know. I didn't really see the sort of full list of anything, because I presume that was what we were going to do when we were here. Looking at the jewellery that you did find, do you think it's particularly valuable? Well, I mean, the band certainly isn't. Well, I'm no expert, but I wouldn't have said so. I think maybe we should cut our losses here. We'll we'll put the jewellery that we found in the safe. I'd rather keep it with me, I think, to be honest. All of it? Well, it wasn't very much. Also, we only found a couple of pairs of earrings and some necklaces and that ring. Very well. We'll we'll take it with us, uh, and we'll certainly take the wedding band and the photograph album. Oh, definitely, and the diary. Well, yes. 
I don't think there's anything else to gain from this house now, do you? No, and it's starting to make me feel a bit uneasy, no. to be honest. I think I'd just like to get away and get back into the sun and, and just have a while to think about stuff, to be honest. Back to the pub? Yeah, why not? We could maybe go for a walk first, though. Yes, why don't we drive to the pub, pop the car in the car park, have a little wander around town, and then see if Mr Livingston comes back. Yeah, we ought to actually pop in and just see if he has been in. We can leave him a message. All right, then, let's do that. Graham and Linda exit the house. The cat follows you. Graham reluctantly allows it to follow for now, but looks slightly suspicious of it. Heads over to his Ford Granada and stops when he gets there. Linda, what do we do about this uh, stuff under the bonnet? We'll take it out. Why? What do you mean? I don't know. I just think enough strange things have happened. Graham is starting to feel slightly less logical than he was when he first visited this house now. I I, I think maybe I'm just suspicious of everything now, but uh, yes, all right, all right, let's, let's just clear it out and go. What, do you and, think somebody's tampered with the engine? Well, I hope not, but let's have a look. And he opens the bonnet. The twigs, sticks and leaves that were embedded in your car... Uh, haven't been threaded through anything. They haven't sabotaged any of the mechanism. Rather, they're all bound together. You've been left some kind of... Well, for want of a better term, a wicker mask. And you can see that it bears two eyes, a nose, a mouth. It's quite a well-made artefact... But it's been shoved rather crudely underneath your bonnet. Graham picks it up and shows it to Linda. Well, there you are. That's what was in there. What the hell is that? I don't know, and I don't want to know. Let's just leave it here and go. Maybe put it over in the porch or something. Yes. They might want to come back and get it, whoever they were. Yes, all right. Very well. Graham goes and and puts it... um, in the porch alongside the front door of the house and returns to the car. The cat hisses at you, Graham. Uh, Could you do another mind challenge, please? Gives me a six. Excellent. You are able to determine from the cat it's not hissing at you, it's hissing at the mask. Definitely decides to leave the mask in the porch um, and kind of ushers the cat away from it on his way back to the car in a a friendly way the cat meows and bounds across the garden Graham gets into the car Linda has a look around um, make sure the cat isn't going to end up under the wheels um, sees it across the garden and gets into the car the car starts without any issue and you pull away from the drive You have listened to an episode of Family Matters. 
a folk horror role-playing adventure set inside the world of the game Solemn Vale. The game, which is not yet released, is being developed by Dirty Vortex, and you can find out more on their website at dirtyvortex.net. Our storyteller was Matthew Dawkins, and this series is produced in collaboration with Red Moon Roleplaying. To enjoy some of their other stories set in games which are rich in folklore themes, such as Vampire the Masquerade or Mummy the Curse, find them online at www.redmoonroleplaying.com. Music was performed by ProtoU and used with permission from their label, Cryochamber. Cryochamber are specialists in dark, ambient music. You'll find a wealth to enjoy on their website at cryochamber.bandcamp.com. If you're interested in what these recordings sounded like before they were edited, then join our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast, where if you support us at a level of $5 a month or more, you'll have access to the raw, unedited recordings of our Solemn Vale adventure. Thanks for listening. See you next time.